Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Command Point. My name is Ryan, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Shane. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Shane, today we are finally doing our Drakari deep dive. Yeah, I mean, we both just played a whole tournament mm-hmm. of Drakari. Yeah. Uh, you're probably about to play another tournament with Drakari, so, I mean, we have some experience with the faction at this point. We've We've kind of piled through a lot of it, so... Mm-hmm. Felt like a pretty good time, right? Yeah. Okay, so uh, I guess going into this deep dive, we should probably start off with their power from pain abilities. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of like one of the things that makes them so unique. Uh, there's, to my understanding, there's nothing like it outside of Drakari, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, basically, they're getting like a new ability every round. Yeah. Um, like, and it's like they're good abilities yeah they're good yeah they're basically getting like a whole new sub faction trade every round going forward and and then the only thing like the only faction ability that i can think of that comes close to this is kind of um the adeptus mechanicus uh canicles of the omnisci i believe yeah that that, kind of yeah but it's not get to pick and it's like it doesn't stack whereas this it's one order and they stack yeah so you can like build an entire game plan around that which is very powerful so starting off starting at round one they get a just every model in the faction just gets a six up feel no pain well not every model every model that is power from pain gets a six up feel no pain uh which is just which is just fantastic because i mean you look at factions like ashiani uh, where a lot of the uh, in a lot of tournaments you see them taking uh, Althway just to get that six up, feel no pain, and that's like their that's the whole thing. With Drakari, they just get this on top of what other sub faction they start off with, and then it just snowballs up from there. Yes, uh, power from pain. Um, the first level that that feel no pain is just feel no pains are amazing. Um, a lot of people will play Drakari, and there's a lot of, like, Drakari, like, one-trick players, I guess, who, like, only play Drakari, who might take it for granted, <laughs> but yeah. I feel no pain, because there's going to be games where it just doesn't ever feel like it's happening, like, you'll never get that save, but um, it, it is so nice, especially for multi-win models, which there are a few mm-hmm. for uh, for Drakari. There's not many, but there are a few, and yeah. when it does come into play, it's it's pretty huge. Yeah. Uh, so what do they get in round two, battle round two? So the other Jakari ability that you get in the second round for Power From Pain uh, is it's called Eager to Flay. Um, so basically it's you can re-roll the dice when determining how far this model moves when it advances or charges. So we're talking about like sub-factions, how these are basically sub-faction bonuses. Um, you can compare it to like Heretic Astartes, Renegade Chapters, or regular Astartes, Black Templars. Uh, except this is even better because they also get to reroll uh, the advance, not just the charge, which is really nice because Drakari have really high movement. Um, they're like extremely quick, <laughs> yeah. uh, and and as far as the charging goes, they have a ton of super strong models in melee, so that this is going to come in handy pretty much every game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so building off like their, I guess their melee prowess. Um, is in the third battle round they get flensing fury where they add one to hit rolls 
for their models in the fight phase. Uh, it's honestly like it's unbelievable <laughs> that they just <laughs> that they just get all these abilities. Like to be frank, um, yeah, uh, that that's a great ability. I mean, everything's basically going to be hitting on twos, um, bar anything that has like a flesh wound or something. Yeah, I mean, the, the other way to look at it too is like it's almost like transhuman physiology in a way because like your models that were flesh wounded from rounds one and two are now mm. hitting at their normal weapon skill. Yeah, right. Um, in addition to it basically being like space wolves without the charge um, requirement. <laughs> so it's just you're always plus one to hit in melee. Um, it's it's crazy. Yeah, hitting on twos with some of these models is just insane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what do they get for round four? Uh, emboldened by bloodshed. Uh, it's a reroll failed nerve test for this model. Uh, this can like save games. Yeah, literally. Um, <laughs> it's like pretty good time to get that, uh, to be honest. So yeah, in the fourth round, suddenly when you're at the, probably the biggest risk of, of failing a lot of nerve tests, not anymore. Drakari can now reroll their nerve tests um, and, and bail you out. Uh, this is huge. Morale is one of the biggest feels bads in the game, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and to just be able to kind of have their own answer to it that would otherwise be unique to... Uh, like again, Astartes with like they shall know no fear. Um, it's cr- just craziness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then for rounds five and up, they get uh, Mantle of Agony. So subtract one from the leadership characteristics of enemy models that are within six inches of any models from your kill team with this bonus. So why am I even talking about this? when typically in competitive kill team, it's a four round game. Uh, there actually is a sub faction that we'll talk about later on that allows you to basically you add one to whatever the battle round is when determining what power from pain ability you get. It's uh, an ability for one of the cabals, uh, cabal of the black heart, I think. So instead of starting off with just a, <laughs> a six up, uh, feel no pain on round one. You also start off with eager to flay, and then so by round three you're getting emboldened to bloodshed, and that is huge in a lot of games. For sure, yeah. Um, honestly, and like with mantle of agony, with the leadership penalty, uh, with a model like a clavax, which I believe already has a leadership or a penalty to enemy That's models, right. this like stack. So suddenly your your leadership six orc boy is leadership four on round four it's like oh my yeah. god you're already struggling with morale at this point it's like geez okay so moving on from power from pain let's go ahead and start looking at the models that Drakari have access to uh do you want to start us off with the uh just pick whatever model you want to start off with and we'll go with that well, Keblite Warriors are at the top, so I feel like I'm just going to default to that. Okay. <laughs> um, Keblite Warriors, I mean, their their data sheet is basically the same as like a like a Guardian Defender that Eldar would get. You know, mm-hmm. it's just the Strength 3, Toughness 3, it's 7-inch movement. It's an Elf. Um, yeah, yeah. The, uh, they're armed with Splinter Rifles, which are basically Rapid Fire 1, 24-inch range. Um, but the it's it's zero AP one damage, but the 
catch to it is they're poison weapons, which basically means they will always wound on strength four, or <laughs> on a wound roll of four. So yeah. against toughness four, their strength four. Against toughness three, their strength three. Against toughness five, their strength five, and so on. Um, the whole poison thing doesn't really ever seem useful to me. It seems like it's more unhelpful in, in, the, in your wounding on fours, uh, which is what a lot of them are, although there are a few exceptions to that that we'll talk about. Um, you can take a Cabalite Gunner. Well, you can take two Cabalite Gunners, and you can take one Sybarite. So the Cabalite Gunners are like the... That's the special thing. They're the reason why you get a box of Cabalites. Yes, you're not getting it for the basic regular Cabalite Warriors. Not even really for the Sybarite, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, it's it's the weapons that the Cabalite Gunners can take. So one can take a Splinter Cannon or Dark Lance, and then the other can take a Shredder or Blaster. Yeah. So basically this is split pretty like cleanly between like Splinter Cannon is probably better against T3. Dark mm-hmm. Lance is probably better against T4. Um, Shredder, again, probably better against T3. Blaster, good against T4. Uh, do you want to talk about the, the the ones that stuck out to you most here? Because <laughs> I think I know what you're thinking. Yeah, so the first one is obviously the Dark Lance. Um, you know, 36-inch range, heavy one, strength 8, AP minus 4, D6 damage. Uh, it's, it's pretty insane. Uh, whatever whatever cavalite gunner or you take your cavalite gunner with them you make him a sniper specialist and that weapon is just devastating when it hits um and it also feels very bad when uh when you miss with it you know you only get four chances to shoot with this weapon um you really got to make them count and then probably like the the number one uh special weapon for me it's got to be the blaster right you know, it's it's yeah. basically an 18-inch melt-a-gun. Yep, uh, pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's assault, but it, it's assault 1, 18 inches. It's basically the same thing. I just don't think it has the half-range 2d6. Yeah, that's right. But, uh, yeah, um, really good. Uh, having a Dark Lance and a Blaster, especially on some of the shorter-range maps where you can really make use of the Blaster, because you can pretty much always make use of that Dark Lance. Yeah. Um, just sticking him in the back of your deployment zone. Uh, maybe not on arena. Sometimes it's, it's hard. To I, I would say even on some arena maps, though, he's For useful sure, yeah. just to be kind of like a deterrent. Yeah, and especially with one of the sub factions that we're going to talk about in a, in a second. Um, these weapons are just bonkers. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess we should talk about the Sybarite a little bit. It's kind of a weird model. It's like the sergeant model. You can only take one. Uh, the only difference in the data sheet is LD8 instead of 7 and 2 attacks instead of 1. Mm-hmm. Um, it can take a power sword or agonizer so the agonizer it's poison so it's winning on fours and uh, i believe it's ap2 one damage yeah um and the power sword it is a power sword it is strength user ap3 uh power sword is not gonna be that great on the sybarite because it is strength three um there's really no workaround unless you make it a zealot which you're probably not going to end up making a sybarite a zealot for um various reasons um, that we'll get into later, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it can also take a Phantasm Grenade Launcher, which is a really weird weapon. It uh, is a weird weapon. 
I don't know how many times you've actually used it. I, I know you kind of, you don't really run with Sybarite too often. Um, I, I don't think, either. Yeah, I think the only time I've used that grenade launcher is when I'm looking to fill some points in games of commanders. Like, that's yeah. basically it. <laughs> um, I'll talk about it because it's such a weird weapon. It's basically... Um, 18 inch assault d3 strength one uh you're yeah correctly strength one zero ap one damage so you're probably thinking there's no way this is ever going to do anything you're never killing anything with this weapon um the reason you you use it is because uh, of the special ability so if you even get a hit with it uh you subtract one from the leadership characteristic of the model that got hit until the end of the battle round so i mean it's Again, it's not that useful. Uh, um, yeah. If a model has a flesh wound, you probably want to be shooting it with an actual weapon just to get it off the board. Absolutely. Rather than trying to make it fail a leadership test. Uh, beyond that, it can take a... Uh, it can replace their splinter rifle with a uh, splinter pistol or blast pistol. Um, the blast pistol is like the... Uh, it's basically like a blaster, but it's a pistol. Yeah, um, yeah, it's six got six-inch inch range. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like the Inferno pistol. Mm, um, yeah, it's just it's, it hits like a truck, but it's six-inch range and it's a pistol. So not yeah. going to run to do it too often. And then the uh, the splinter pistol is um, it's it's a pistol that's poison. <laughs> it's twelve-inch range. It's yeah. zero AP, one damage. Yeah. So I mean, I think that covers the the. The models themselves, but I guess we should talk about the specific subfactions that these models get. Yeah, Drakari, they're kind of weird um, in that there's basically three different groups of factions all tied to specific models. So it's not like Space Marines, where for the most part you can just pick anything and choose a chapter, chapter tactics that you want to go with and everything's okay you kind of got to you got to pick what you're trying to enhance i guess and you just gotta you just gotta be more conscientious with your with your decisions when it comes to list building with these guys so yeah let's take a look at their elite sub factions yeah so the first one i guess we kind of mentioned it earlier it's uh, cabal the black heart um it's basically treating the battle round as if it's one higher than it actually is for the purpose of power from pain mm -hmm. um, it's kind of weird because on paper this sounds great but uh i feel like the cabalites are the worst models that, or i guess in terms of benefiting from power from pain do you know what i mean yeah i 100 like, percent agree like re-rolling charges turn one this is mostly a shooty profile yeah these are uh, shooting the models. like the sybarite might like it but that's yeah. about it um, I for that reason I don't really think I'd look to Blackheart too often. I mean, would you? Um, I would if I wanted to run the the Archon model in Games of Commanders. We're not really gonna go yeah. too deep into that, but um, like that model is a is a melee powerhouse with some of the stuff that he can do. Um, so having like. <laughs> Literally just taking this sub-faction trait specifically to buff the Archon and not even any of the other models in your list, uh, th that's when I would be looking at Cabal the Blackheart. But in games at the 125 points level, at the 100 points level, 
there's definitely some there's some better options there that's for sure yes uh speaking of which let's go down to cabal the slate skull yes this is this is the obvious like amazing one in my opinion yeah this is like the one that we've seen in competitive pop up over and over again on open formats yeah Uh, so so models in your i guess if oh no you got okay uh, models in your kill team do not suffer the penalties to hit rolls for the target of their attacks being obscured or because of intervening terrain. So, like, this makes them... It makes your Dark Lance Gunner uh, hitting on twos anytime he's buffed by a comm specialist, basically. As long as the as long as long the the target model's within 18 inches. So, yeah. you make him a sniper spec, so he's re-rolling ones... And it's just it's just great. That's why you take that's why you take this sub faction trait is to buff up that Dark Lance gunner. Yeah, basically. Like you, you you deploy him and you ready him and then anything within eighteen inches dies. Is, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean <laughs> you assume you have a comms nearby and you're a sniper. Suddenly you're with this <laughs> this like meltagun, you're hitting on twos, re rolling ones. At strength eight, AP four, D six damage. It's just point and click. Yeah, it, it's crazy. It's like it's like a cybolt at that point, right? I mean, except you get to pick your. It's I don't even. Know. There it's, is it's, there is the chance of you re-rolling your hit roll of one into another one. It's happened to me before, and it is the ultimate feels bad. But the I mean the upside's so huge with it. It's it's like this is it. Like this is the one for cabalites. Yeah, it's. I guess yeah. And with Cybolt, you can perils. So, at least with the, when you do this with the Dark Lance, you don't explode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just miss. <laughs> um, I guess let's go down to Poison Tongue. Cabal the Poison Tongue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, reroll wound rolls of one made for melee weapons and poisoned weapons uh, used by models in your kill team. And for the purpose of this obsession, a poisoned weapon is any weapon that wounds on a particular roll, like like we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I've never even considered this. I, I don't think I really would. Um, you're not really building your cabals around the poison weapons. No. Like you weren't building it around the, the splinter rifles and stuff. You're, you're building it around the dark lands and the blaster, which are not poison weapons. They're just power weapons, basically. Yeah. I could see if... <laughs> I, I say this with some hesitation, but I could see like if all if all you have in your Jerkari list, you only have Cavalite models, then I can see like the potential to justify this for taking it right because you want to be getting the most out of the models that you actually have. Um, but even then, it's like eh, making that Dark Lance always hit on twos is really really good with Flayed Skull. So I. So it, I think it just edges it out for me. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I would agree. It's, I, I would never really look at uh, at, at poison tongue too much. Yeah, um, if at all, <laughs> probably the worst <laughs> one that I that, that I think they can take. Um, although, outside of commanders, um, the uh, black card is, is is pretty useless too. So I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess let's go down to Obsidian Rose, Cabal the Obsidian Rose. Yeah. Do you, do you want to take that one? Yeah, so 
they uh, models in your kill team do not suffer the penalty to hit rolls for their attacks that target enemy models at long range. So, kind of uh, recently we played in TAO, and that board was pretty sparse for terrain. We both took um, Cabal of the Flayed Skull as the, like for our Cavalite models that we had on our roster. Do you think looking back, there could be an argument made for taking uh, Cabal of the Obsidian Rose instead? Yeah, I, I, this is something I realized after I was after I had already submitted my roster. Um, but I had the option on my roster for a blaster sniper, which I never took. I, I would have taken him in an instance where I felt like I didn't need the Dark Lance, mm-hmm. um, and he would have been like my only Cabalite. Period. I think. Right. Um, but the uh, the blaster sniper because it's only eighteen inches. Um, on that board, it was so open that there's so many instances where there was an unobscured model and I wasn't even getting my penalty. But what I was running into with the blaster was long range. Mm-hmm. There was always something that was long range. And, and once you're within nine inches with a blaster, you're kind of in danger of, of getting charged or, or maybe something else will shoot you. Right. Um, so I, I think with the blaster specifically, if you're ever running a list where your only Cabalite option in the whole list is... Uh, is going to be the blaster sniper or something. I think it's actually better to have obsidian rose because suddenly everything within 18 inches, like if there's a single model within 18 inches of you, that's unobscured, which could easily happen. You're hitting it on a three rerolling ones. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas with the dark lance, I don't think I'd ever want to take obsidian rose because 36 inch range, you're not going to run into long range that often, but what you are going to run into is, is obscured models. Right. Within 18 inches. Yeah, I almost wanted two cents. Yeah, I I think I would have rather have gone with just like what you were describing of using the Cabalite Gunner with the blaster, taking it with Cabal of the Obsidian Rose because you can be a lot more mobile with that model. Whereas with the Dark Lance, you're kind of just it. It's like you said on turn one, you kind of just ready that model up. Your opponent can still like play around that, you know, move them behind pieces of terrain. Like there were pieces of terrain, but it was very hard to be holding objectives and be completely outside line of sight. Um, but yeah, I I think it would have been, I think it would, I think it would have been uh, worked better on that packet. Yeah, and, it is a bit unfortunate too. We kind of glossed over this, but the specialisms for Cabalites, uh, you can't make any Cabalite a heavy spec. Which uh, yeah, the dark thing yeah. is a heavy weapon, unfortunately. So, if you're going to move that model at all, it's going to take the minus one. Um, you try and offset that by either not moving it, uh, just kind of planting it and readying it, or kind of always keeping the comms buff nearby to to I guess reset the uh, ballistic skill, so to speak, back to three up. Right. Right. All right. So that's cabalites, basically. Um, would you want to talk about witches or racks now? Oh, uh, let's do witches. Why not? Okay. So witches are, they're a very close combat oriented. They've got, uh, combat drugs, Shane. These witches have combat drugs. Want to yes. go over those? Uh, yeah. They're the only models, uh, Dracarian models that get combat drugs. 
it's basically the way this works is if you're running witches at the very start of the game, uh, you will roll a d6, and there's this table that you'll consult, and depending on what you roll, you get a certain bonus that's going to last the whole game. It's super RNG-based. It's really weird. Um, mm-hmm. But what's nice is just about all of these are, are at the very least, decent. Um, yeah. And you can kind of make builds that don't rely on combat drugs or any particular combat drugs roll, uh, meaning that whatever you end up getting here, it's just a bonus on top of what you already are banking on. Um, so I guess I'll go with them. So there's six bonuses. If you roll a one, uh, you get Adrenalite, which is plus one to the attacks characteristic. This is really nice. This is one of the better options you can get. Suddenly your witches have uh, your witch fighters and your Hecatrix have three and four attacks respectively instead of two and three. Um, that's a pretty big thing. Uh, Grave Lotus. This is huge. Uh, takes them up to strength four from yeah. strength three. Or if you have a certain sub-faction ability that we'll talk about later, it could take them up to strength five, which is massive. Mm-hmm. Um, Hypex on a three. Uh, plus two to move characteristics, so they become movement ten. Uh, that's very good. Uh, four is Painbringer. They get plus one to toughness. This might be my favorite one. Um, their biggest issue is is how easy it is to wound them and in and, and turn force them to fail their saves or, or kill them in the shooting phase before they can even, can even get in. Yeah. Um, to have toughness four on these models is, is a pretty big deal. Um, five is serpent, Serpentine? Serpentine? <laughs> I don't know how that's <laughs> pronounced. Uh, it's plus one to weapon skill characteristic. This is good. Uh, they, they become two up weapon skill instead of three up. Uh, the only downside of this is the third round of power from pain no longer really does anything. Yeah. Um, outside of like, you know, offsetting flesh wounds, I guess. Uh, and then there's six splinter mind, uh, plus two to leadership characteristics. So leadership nine and leadership 10 for the hack of tricks. Uh, that's pretty crazy. So, I mean, all of those are good, right? Yeah, they're all good. I mean, you, you, there's going to be instances where you're like, oh, dang, I didn't really want the leadership or, you know, the movement doesn't excite me. They're already pretty fast, but it's not something that's going to hurt you. It's always going to help you. Some are better than others, undoubtedly. Um, but yeah. Yeah, to me, it's just hard in the list building phase with witches. It's like, OK, I'm going to be taking like certain pieces of war gear and then depending upon how I roll on the combat drugs, some of those weapons that I've taken either become like redundant because of like like their their increases to strength that they give the user or, you know, just stuff like that. Increased amount of attacks. Either be, it can either become redundant or it can like greatly benefit also. But it's just hard to like plan around how you're going to be running them when there's this element of RNG to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess uh, let's talk really quick about the uh, the weapon options that yeah. the witch fighters can take. Mm-hmm. So they can take, uh, they can replace their splinter pistol and Hecatari blade, which, by the way, a Hecatari blade, which is what all the witches can basically start with for free. Um, it's just, uh, I mean, strength user, zero AP and you get an additional attack. So uh, the the witch fighters go from two attacks to three, if they have that. Um, 
it's it's very weak. This is not what you're what you're kidding your your fighters out with. So yeah. they can replace this with uh, hydro gauntlets, uh, razor flails, or um, a chardonnay and impaler. So let's talk about these options really quick because this is um, uh, where the choices come in, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, in my opinion, the best out of all of these is the uh, Chardonnay and Impaler. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel about this? Um, I Before agree with you. I yeah. think there, I mean, I think there is a case to be made for the uh, reroll failed wound rolls for the Hydra Gauntlets because you're also getting a, an additional attack when you use that weapon. Um, but the, yeah. Uh, the, yeah. So, so they're like, all, yeah, all three of these are strength user. So you're yeah. going to be working off your strength three or four because you're probably going to be taking the strength subfaction. Um, so the Chardonnay and Impaler is AP one. Uh, it's damage two, making it one of the few multi-damage options that you're going to have on the list. Yeah. Um, and each time the bearer fights, it can make one additional attack. Uh, all three of the weapons that witch fighters can take offer an additional attack. So again, you're without any specialisms, which fighters are looking at three attacks, uh, potentially four if you get the uh, the combat drugs for it. But um, yeah, so Chardonnay Impaler is good because it's multi-damage, it's AP1. Um, the other options, uh, Razor Flails and Hydro Gauntlets are also AP1, but they're one damage. Um, the differences is, uh, so Hydro Gauntlets, you re-roll all failed wound rolls, which is really good. I've actually found out that like like re-rolling all failed wound rolls at strength four is like better than having like strength five or something. Um, oh really? That's interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think the math works out that way. Okay. Uh, and then the uh, the razor flails is you re-roll all failed hit rolls. This is less useful to me because a lot of the time you're you don't need to be re-rolling failed hit rolls. It's easier to hit. You're going to be encountering less difficulty hitting yeah. than wounding. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I mean, the points cost-wise, the um, Razor Flails and the Hydra Gauntlets are two points, and the Chardonnay and Pillars are also two points, so they're all the same cost. Um, it really just depends on what it is that you're going for. Um, yeah, this is when the tailoring like starts with these uh, with these witches. Is just you're able to plug in whatever weapon you want and not really have to worry about am I over points, am I under points? So you can kind of have like a few different builds in a witch list um, that are uh, that all come out to the same point cost uh, if you take one of these three weapons each time for each of your witch fighters and your hecatrix. Yeah. And then uh, speaking of the hecatrix, uh, the hecatrix can take uh, a power sword or agonizer, much like the um, Sybarite that we talked about earlier. Uh, I guess it's better on this model, this the power sword that is, because you can. We'll talk about it again. Yeah, when we, when we get to the, the tricks. Yes. Uh, they can also take that weird grenade launcher, the phantasm grenade launcher, uh-huh. and they can replace their splinter pistol with a blast pistol. So, I mean, honestly, the the hecatrix isn't even better in my eyes than the witch fighters. The witch fighters are the real meats here. Absolutely. Um, so. They also have a unique ability called No Escape. Mm-hmm. Um, if an intra- infantry model within one inch 
of uh, any enemy models with this ability would fall back. The controlling players roll off, and the model that would fall back can only do so if the controlling player, or if the player controlling it wins the roll off. So if you ever want to fall back from a witch, you have to basically roll off against the witch player. Yeah. And if you don't roll higher than them, meaning on a tie, they, they win. If you don't roll higher, you just don't get to fall back. Yeah. Uh, pretty interesting ability. It's, it's coming to play a few times when I've played with witches. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, really, the, these models are... They, they are very good in melee, um, especially against, like, T3, I would say. Oh, absolutely. Like, specifically the... Um, the Hydra Gauntlets are really good against T3 just by getting yes. like, volume of attacks through, just yes. forcing lots of armor saves. Um, and then the, the Shardnet Impaler is always scary. Multi-damage is super important. It is. So yeah. do we want to yeah. talk about the cults? Right at the top, there's the Cult of Strife. So again, just like with the Cabals, these this sub-faction will only apply to your Witch models. So none of your other models will get this, just the witches. Um, so with the Cult of Strife, uh, you can make one additional attack in the fight phase of the model in your kill team if it charged, was charged, or made a pile and move granted by the heroic intervention. Uh, commander tactic. So um, I don't think you're ever going to really look at this, right? They already have a lot of attacks. Yeah. Doesn't fix their weakness, which is strength three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there, yeah, uh, like yeah, I would, yeah, like even against toughness three, it's like no. Yeah, I'd rather just it's, have strength I'd, four. Yeah, exactly. So moving on to the strength four, uh, cult of the cursed blade, increase the strength characteristic of models from from in your kill team by one. In addition, when you take a nerve test for a model in your kill team, subtract one from the result. So that plus one strength is huge for witches. Yep. It is. It fixes the problem, right? Yeah. Like that's their only problem outside of like they don't have a lot of AP outside of like a power sword, maybe. Um, that that fixes the issue with witches. The like major kind of sticks out like a sore thumb issue. Yeah. Uh, I will say I always forget that it has that little extra thing, the nerve test uh, right. bonus. Yeah, the first one is so good, it's just completely overshadowed for yeah. the first bit, the first half of this sub-faction. Yeah, I mean, if you get the plus two leadership power from uh, uh, Combat Drugs, rather, and then you have Cult of the Cursed Blade, um, it's almost like Necron levels <laughs> of like, yeah, leadership. Yeah, it is. Where it's like it's they're ridiculous. just never going to fail. Yeah. 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 And then there's um, Cult of the Red Grief, which is in mm-hmm. the running for one of the worst sub-factions uh, you can take, period. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can reroll charge rolls for models in your kill team. So just an FYI, they do get power from pain. So they already get to reroll charge rolls starting re- the second round. Yeah. It's redundant. Yeah. You're you're very rarely charging round one anyway. Yeah. Like if you just really wanted to get your strength three witches in round one, <laughs> I don't think that's good. No. Personally. Yeah. Doesn't seem very good to me at all. No. Don't take this. One thing before we move on from witches that I wanted to mention that I don't think we made as explicit as we wanted it to be was the fact that they have a four up 
invuln save, but that is only in the fight phase. Yeah. So and, yeah, if if that that stands to uh, that's actually kind of important. So if they're in combat and like they've charged last round, but they're still in, if they get shot with a pistol in the shooting phase. They don't get that invuln. Mm-hmm. It's only in the fight phase. Yeah. Um, it's not just in combat. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like witches like aesthetically, and I don't think they're that bad. Um, they can certainly work, especially on arena. Like I know for a fact, back at BAO, we had some people running witches mm-hmm. on that yeah. format. They were having some success. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it was ever the strongest thing, but I, I'm sure you can take it decently far, especially against toughness three. Yeah, I think it just come. It all just comes down to play style. So moving on to the third, I guess, subgroup. The Drakari, they got access to racks in the Elites book. Uh, these models are absolutely fantastic. I am loving them right now. They, they are. So, I mean, you can, like, split all three of the types into, like, different archetypes. Like, Cabalite Warriors being, like, offensive ranged, which is being, like, offensive close combat. And then Rax is, like, just durable like, yeah clo- it's like, just a, they they're just a wall of flesh yeah they're almost like a defensive type where where you they're not going to be putting out nearly as much offensive output most of the time and as witches and cabalites but their resiliency is what's going to carry them so toughness four is the obvious one yeah um this is fantastic uh they are seven inch movement um and they get a built-in five-up and vulnerable save. So we'll talk about this, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're usually going to end up having a four-up and vulnerable save, which is for, for those that are unaware. Racks are uh, these are eight-point models, like base, like a basic rack is eight points. Um, the gunners are going to be nine. The Akathist, which is the sergeant rack, is going to be nine. Um, Toughness four, five up and well, toughness four, four up and mullen is going to end up being really strong for you. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the the rack gunner options? Yeah. So the rack gunner can take a liquefier gun, which has eight inch range, assault D six, strength three, armor piercing characteristic is randomly determined by a roll of a D three, and it does one damage, and uh, it auto hits just like a flamer would. This so, is their. This is the only Drakari flamer, if I'm not mistaken, right? I believe so. Yeah, they're only sort of like flamer equivalent. Um, so this weapon's fantastic. Um, when you make your rat gunner a demo specialist, um, uh, it's yeah. I mean, it's a flamer. It's an eight-inch flamer. The yeah yeah potentially AP three. That's huge. It's got uh, crazy variants too. Um, it does, but on arena, it's like the way to go with the rat gunner. Uh, I mean, yeah, because you could either get six shots AP three, or you can get one shot AP one. Yeah, um, it it is nice to have a flamer with AP, uh, even if it is strength three. I mean, you can work around that with the demo specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it can be tough to play against. For sure. Yeah. And then there's the Asa factor. Yes. So this is this is a weapon that's very underrated, I think. 
And that is simply because up until recently, we haven't really seen people take like shooty racks because that's, that's just it's just like not a thing that you can do. And if you're going to take shooty Jerkari, more often than not, you're going to wind up going with the Cabalites because of their Dark Lance and their Blaster Cabalite Gunner options, right? So the Asa Factor, it is a 24-inch range, uh, Assault 1, AP 3, it's 1 damage. And it has an ability where this weapon always wounds on a roll of 2 or higher. If a model is taken out of action by an attack made with this weapon, roll a d6 for each model within 2 inches of that model. On a roll of five up, that model suffers a mortal wound. So uh, the roll of the D6 is uh, like that's that's cute. You can't really rely on it, but that's a nice bonus. But that always wounding on a two up, that is great for Rax. That is it. And it's an assault weapon. So the threat range is a lot. It's a lot larger than you think it is. Just looking at that 24 inch range profile. Um I've been using this weapon to great effect in uh, my worldwide open prep games with racks. Yeah, for all intents and purposes, that little asterisk where it says strength, you might as well just put 12 there because it's <laughs> yeah. everything on a two. Um, it, it is a really strong weapon. I mean, obviously, there's the downside that it is only one shot, mm-hmm. but um, still, it, it, I think the, the potential of, of what it can do is. Is, is definitely intriguing. Yeah. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit about, before we talk about the Akathist, who is obviously an amazing model, um, all racks are armed with a weapon called Homunculus Tools. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, and all racks have two attacks, uh, and the, with the Akathist having three attacks, um, and they have weapon skill three. Um, so Homunculus Tools are basically like poison weapon, basically. It always wins on a roll of four. It's, it's AP zero. It's one damage. So there are instances against, like, um, say you're fighting against, like, a Gretchen or, like, Ryan or Rouse or something. Yeah. Um, don't use the homunculus tools in that situation because you're actually going to be wounding on threes if you just use your basic fists, I guess. Yeah, um, like your basic close combat weapon, I think, is what it's called. And this is something that every model in Kill Team is equipped with, is a basic yeah. close combat weapon. Uh, yeah, something that I that I think people haven't thought about because I've seen people use their homunculus tools when fighting like Ryan or Rouse, and I'm just like, no, what are you thinking? <laughs> like you could just hit them with your fist. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, and then so we have the Akathist, who is the sergeant equivalent. The only difference for him is LD8, three attacks instead of two. You get the idea. Um, the Akathist has a few interesting options. They can take an agonizer, which is that you know poison weapon that. Wounds on a four always, and it's AP two damage one. Uh, yep. They can take an electro corrosive whip, which is uh, it's poison wounds on a four all the time, but it is AP two damage two. So this is one of the stronger options. Mm-hmm. Um, they can take a flesh gauntlet, which is uh, something that I kind of they have a lot of weapons that they can take. Um, yeah, the flesh gauntlet is something that uh, it's it's strength user AP zero damage one um, but it basically just has mortal wound upside uh, on a wound roll of six you do a mortal wound in addition mm-hmm. um, you're usually not going to take this uh, they can take a uh, a mind phase gauntlet 
which basically a mind phase gauntlet, it's again strength user, AP zero damage two. This is like a weird one. Um, yeah, it is a weird one. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's uh, at that point, I think I'd rather just have you're not going to wound very often with it because your strength user, which is three. Yeah. Um, uh, scissor hand is uh, it's a poison weapon, it wounds on a four always, and it is AP one one damage. Uh, I would almost never take the scissor hand. And then my personal favorite, just just on like a personal level, is the Venom Blade. I ran this all the time in TIO. Um, it is w- always wounds on a two, much like the Asa Factor that Rat Gunners can take. Uh, AP zero, damage one. So which of these do you kind of like see the most use for? Oh, definitely the Venom Blade. Definitely yeah, for- the Venom Blade. You take the Akathist, you make him a combat specialist, you give him the Venom Blade, and you're getting four attacks, hitting on threes, turn three, he's hitting on twos, and then you're wounding on twos all the time. It's a ridiculous model. Yeah, um, the alternative is if you're against like an elite team with like good armor, uh, good mm-hmm. save characteristic, you probably want to run the uh, uh, electric corrosive whip. Yeah. Just because... Yes, you're wounding on a four, but with four attacks, turn three, you're hitting on twos. You're going to get enough hits that you should be able to get one to two wounds most yeah. of the time. Um, and then that AP two, two damage is, is going to hit like a truck. So yep. That's all you need. Yeah, but also the Akathist can uh, can take a hex rifle, liquefier gun, or stinger pistol in addition to the melee weapon. Yeah. So do you want to talk about this a little bit? Yeah, so we already went through the uh, liquefier gun, so I'm just going to talk about the hex rifle. Um, it is 36-inch heavy one, strength for AP1, one, one damage. Uh, a model firing a hex rifle does not suffer the penalty to hit rolls for the target being at long range, just like a Space Marine sniper rifle. Um, each time you roll a wound roll of six up for this weapon, it inflicts a mortal wound in addition to any other damage. Um the, uh, like just like the Asa Factor, this is a great ranged option for this sort of like uh, sub faction of Drakari, I guess we could call it, um, because it gives them some long range punch on open boards. Yeah, uh, I guess the only issue with it really is that is the Akathist can't be a heavy specialist. Only an, uh, a Rack Gunner can be a heavy specialist. Yeah. Um, so, and since the Hex Rifle is a heavy heavy weapon. Uh, anytime you move, you're taking that minus one. Um, and unlike the Cabalites, they're not going to be ignoring obscurity or long range or anything crazy like that. So, um, yeah, you have to kind of weigh that when you're when you're deciding to run a hex rifle. Yeah, like more often than not, I'm finding on open boards with this model, I'm kind of just like setting setting it up so that it has clear lines of sight onto things like midboard objectives. Um, that way I'm I'm taking uh, as little penalties as possible, but then this model is also usually going to be equipped with a venom blade so it can actually go and get stuck in. So it takes this this great melee model and it turns it into a, a pretty potent uh, flex model, which is just awesome. Yeah. Uh, also shout out to the stinger pistol. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that this isn't that this is a separate weapon from the splinter pistol. Yeah, uh, it's just a pistol except it wounds on a roll of two always. Uh, this is kind of neat. 
Mm-hmm. Um, just thought I'd highlight this. Uh, it is a pretty decent option. It does cost one CP or one CP, uh, one point extra <laughs> on the Exodus, but um, yeah, it's it's probably worth looking at. Yeah, if you have a point laying around in your in your list, might as well throw the Stinger pistol on your Akathist. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the Covens, do we call them? I mean, they're, they're these, these ones kind of have different names rather than just like Cabal Occult. Yeah. The, uh... Do you want to talk about the Grotesque first? That because it kind idea. of, yeah, they kind of, they, they fit the same mold. Yeah. Grotesques are, um, they also benefit from the sub-factions that Rax do. Uh, they're the only like elite option for one of the three like archetypes like I talked about. Um, it, it's kind of like the Terminator that Drakari gets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, for for such an exp- it's thirty eight points, right? I'm, I believe I'm correct about that. Yeah, thirty eight points. Yeah, for a grotesque. So, I mean, I'll just read it out. It's it's still fast, like a normal elf at seven inches, which is pretty nuts when you think about it. Yeah. Um, it's got that weapon skill three. It's strength five, toughness five, which is really nice. Four wounds, four attacks, eight leadership, and then it's got the the invuln and, and it's got power from pain. So this thing is incredibly hard to kill. Yeah, and uh, it gets um, monstrous cleaver and uh, flesh gauntlet. Uh, monstrous cleaver is just it's strength user, so strength five, AP two, and it gets an additional attack, so it gets five attacks with that. Mm-hmm. And then it can take the flush gauntlet. So if you're against like a uh, an involved save where the AP isn't going to come in handy, you might as well roll for the flush gauntlet instead to try to get mortal wounds. Exactly. Um, uh, anything else you want to say about the grotesque? Um, I've I don't think I've ever taken the liquefier gun on it. <laughs> yeah, it that's, can take a liquefier. <laughs> that's about it. Um, it can be a combat or a zealot specialist. You can make it a demo if you want to take the liquefier gun. Um, I just think you're playing with the model against type if you're doing that. Um, yeah. yeah. The but, first time I ever heard about grotesques was, uh, Alec Berryman at LVO had a had an option in his roster in case he had to play against custodies where he would bring two grotesques. Like that's a right. List. And I believe he ran into custodies and he had to do that list and he won. Um, yeah. Just, was he just like fixing or uh, fishing for sixes with the flesh gauntlet, or I think it was, was just the, the idea was he was basically just tying up the custodies with a model that the custodies probably won't even be able to kill. Right, right. Uh, just between the invuln and the feel no pains and the four wounds and toughness five, um, you charge a uh, a custodian with a grotesque, and then the custodian fails to kill it. And then the grotesque just falls back next round, and suddenly two of the four rounds in the game, your uh, custodians are uh, doing nothing. Just completely shut down, yeah. All right, so yeah, let's talk about the uh, the homunculi covens now. So the first one, and this is the one that you're going to see almost every single time, is the Prophets of Flesh. So that five-up involm that all racks and the grotesque get, uh, it becomes a four-up involm. And uh, this makes them like one of the most like durable models for like points cost efficiency in the game mm-hmm. um, really only using out to like a shield drone <laughs> <laughs> yeah weirdly enough um they are uh yeah i mean four up in is, is incredible 
when you have this many models, having like a coin flip ability to sit to like make it live is um, it's really powerful. Yeah. Uh, this is, I mean, this is pretty much this is what you're running, Ryan. This is what everybody seems to run. Their, yeah. With their racks. Yeah. But there are other options. Yes. There are. There are. Options. Um, the Dark Creed. Do you want to talk about this one? Yeah, so when a opponent takes a nerve test for a model from their kill team, they must add one to the test. For each of your models, other than shaken models, that is within three inches of that model. It's kind of I mean, interesting. <laughs> it's in, it's interesting, um, you know, just because it's it's all about the morale phase, really, with these guys. It's really, it's thematic. But it's just like compared to Prophets of Flesh, it just it it just doesn't hold a candle, in my for opinion. Each for each model from your kill team, and if you're running a horde of racks, um, <laughs> I see gonna, what you're getting at. You're not going to be fleshing that often, but but say you you get like a few racks locked onto one guy, and there's also mm-hmm. like a Clavex nearby, and mm-hmm. you flesh wound him. Uh, pretty decent odds that guy might actually fail his nerve test. Yeah. Um, like a space marine, say he gets flesh wounded and then he's, you know, near some near three racks or something. Is he's going down to like probably leadership four. Mm-hmm. Uh just from, from that alone. It's it's pretty interesting. Probably yeah. wouldn't take it, but it's better than some of the other like quote unquote bad options that uh the yeah. other archetypes have. Yeah. It's not like it's not like cult of the red grief. <laughs> yeah. Which is just good, good grief. Cult of the yeah. good grief. Um, uh, I do want to talk about Coven 12, though, because I think this one is really overlooked, and I think there could be something to it. Ooh, okay. Um, so I'll read it out. Uh, improve the armor penetration characteristic of all melee weapons used by a model on your kill team by one. So AP0 becomes AP1, AP1 becomes 2, and so on. Um with how cheap racks are having their like they've all got two attacks weapons skill three uh having their homunculus tools suddenly be ap1 i mean this really changes the outlook on these models right yeah yeah i think you're Uh, right i mean the um they become threats all of a sudden (laughs) yeah that is true this is definitely Uh, like the melee offensive trait to take yeah Um, and what sounds crazy to me is a venom blade. Four yeah, I was just about to say, threes, wounding on twos, AP one. That's strong. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and the electric corrosive whip becoming AP three. Um, I mean, really, running Coven of Twelve with a horde of racks, just with homunculus tools, and then you know you've got your Akathest. It's just, it's almost like it's better than like a witch horde, like with the witch fighters. Yep. Absolutely. It's, it's like a bet. Like you don't get a four up involve, but a five up involve is still pretty good, especially with toughness four. Yeah. Um, I just don't see why this hasn't been looked at at least once. I've never seen anybody do it. Yeah. Like I get it. Four up involve is amazing. It, it is probably better most of the time, but Coven of Twelve is something that that I want to try at some point. Hmm. Yeah, I think it could work. Yeah, I think it totally could. Um, I I don't know how it would work in practice, but like making it to round three where suddenly you have all these guys like with two attacks hitting on twos wounding on fours ap1 like i don't know these these models are not too bad 
yeah, I'd like to look at it. I'd like to see somebody try this out because I think there's something there. Granted, it's a little bit more inflexible because you're you're going to be running a lot of racks, which means you have less spaces on your roster for other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so that does it for, I guess, all of the base, all the all like all of like your base models for Drakari, and all of the Drakari obsessions. Mm-hmm. But there are some models that Jakari have access to that uh, do not benefit from any of those subfaction traits that you can just plug into any roster that is built around either Cabalites, Witches, Racks, or Grotesques. Yes, the uh, the Blades for Hire yep. is what they're called. So there's the there's two of them. Uh, well, two data sheets. There's the Incubi. And the Mandrakes. Um, which should we talk about first? Let's talk about the Incubi. So uh, they are, I mean, they have pretty much the, a standard Incubus has the um, normal build, uh, like data, data sheet that uh, most elves do, except they have three attacks and a three up save, which is really interesting. And leadership eight. Um and it's armed with a clave, which is just uh, strength plus one, AP three, one damage. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go up to strength four with AP three. And uh, they have the Tormentor's ability. So any models within three inches uh, of an incubi has to uh, basically add one to nerve tests that they take. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of leadership stuff going on with, with Drakari that I think could be explored. Um, I don't know. How many people have really tried to go all out on, on a build like that, but maybe there's something there. Uh, but the real treat here is the Clavex, which is the sergeant type for the Incubi. Yes. Um, it's the same thing, except it has four attacks instead of three, and it has two wounds instead of one, and it has LD9 instead of LD8. And on top of that, it has the lethal precision ability. This is only for the Clavex. Um, if you get a wound roll of six with your Clave, then you add two to damage characteristic, basically making it a damage three AP three weapon. That's very important right there, that special ability, lethal precision. Say I'm playing and I'm using a Clavex. When I'm rolling my attacks for this model, how should I be rolling them? Should I be rolling them all at once or should I be like slow rolling my wound rolls or how how should I be rolling? Slow rolling, definitely, because uh, picture this, you roll, you get like three hits through. Uh, uh, and then you roll all your wounds at once, and you get, like, you're winning on a three, say. And then you get a two threes and a six. Uh, your opponent then can say, okay, well, I'm going to try to save the ones that aren't a six first. Because if you're going to get to the injury roll, I want it to be one damage. Yeah. So slow roll your wounds. So that way, if the six comes up, they have no choice but to immediately try to save it. Yeah. I guess. Because if they have the choice to save them in any particular order, they're, they're not going to save the six first. Because then they're opening themselves up to taking a three damage injury roll which is basically death <laughs> yeah yeah uh you're usually going to make uh, a clavex a zealot especially mm-hmm. i think i mentioned earlier that you're probably not going to make a sybarite a zealot uh, the reason for that is because the zealot is usually going to be your clavex because this will take him to strength five right um five attacks hitting on threes uh wounding on threes about against just about anything uh, with the upside of, of three damage, potentially. Yeah. And then round three, 
it's going to be hitting on threes or excuse me, hitting on twos. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's uh, it's a it's a crazy model. Um, the thing that I like about this model the most, honestly, aside from its offensive output, is its defensive capabilities. Because unlike the rest of the Drakari models, for the most part, um, or at least I, I should say the Rax and the Mandrakes, which benefit from a invulnerable save, uh, this model has just a three-up armor save. And so your opponent is kind of put in a tough spot when it comes to what kind of weapons should I be taking against this Drakari list? Should I be taking a high, like a lot of models with a high rate of fire that shoot a lot of shots, but are or what are a little weaker or should I be taking something like a melt a gun or a rocket launcher or the heavy weapons platform one of their like the star cannon I think um in order to to, to get like high damage high AP this model makes it so that it's like well, you kind of should be taking both you're putting your opponent in a tough spot by including this model yeah I agree that's like such a problem with uh with Tricari. Is is the clay the clavex really presents this different this different threat? They're not getting their durability from invulns. It's it's from you know a good armor save and, and multi wounds, which is not what you're running into uh, with most Rakari models. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think this is like an, the zealot clavex is going to be an auto take a lot of the time. I agree. And if it's not a zealot, it, it's like a combat. Uh, yeah. For against T3, for instance, and Strength 5 isn't going to help you, then you might as well make him a combat. But, uh, yeah, the, the Clavex is very good. You're gonna, It's going to be like, like an auto-take and Drakari list, for the most part. Should we move on to the Mandrakes now? Sounds like a plan. Okay. Oh, and uh, obviously, I mean, you kind of mentioned this before, but it's good to keep in mind that despite the fact that, that you know, uh, Mandrakes and Incubi are getting power from pain. They're not benefiting from any of these sub factions that yeah. we went over before. So you might be taking your mandrakes and your incubi with, um, say, a bunch of racks, but you're not getting the four up and all that the racks are getting. Yeah. So they've got eight inch movement, which is you know fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, three up weapon ballistic skill. Um, the big thing with them is they have strength four and they've got a lot of attacks three and four for the Mandrake and the Night Fiend, which is like the Mandrake Sergeant model. They have got the Shrouded from Sight ability, which means that they subtract one from hit rolls for attacks that target the Mandrakes. And in addition, they get a five up invulnerable save. So they're hard to hit. They've got an invuln save. They're fast. They're good. They're good in melee because of that strength four with the volume of attacks that they have, um, and then they also have ranged capabilities, which just, it, which just synergizes so well with the rest of the model. Um, they get the bail blast, which is a eighteen inch, uh, eighteen inch range assault two weapon with strength four, AP one. It does one damage. And then it has an ability where each time you make a wound roll of six up for this weapon, the target suffers a mortal wound in addition to any other damage. So it's fantastic. This is a fast-moving model. They have a huge threat range. They get two shots with an assault weapon. That's just great. Um, I was going to say, I think Mandrakes are like one of the best flex models. In, in Absolutely. Um, 
they they are very good at ranged. They are very good in melee. They're fast. By round two, they're rerolling charges. They are they're like elusive in the sense that toughness three, five up and bone doesn't sound that hard to kill. But when you consider all the modifiers when you're hitting them, and then the involin and then the feel no pain, they they are kind of in their own weird way durable. Yeah. Um, they are kind of up there in points for a for like this sort of faction um, at coming in at 12 and 13 points for the Mandrake and the Night Fiend. But I, I think that's <laughs> I still think that's kind of cheap for what they bring to the table. Right. Um, sure. uh, the melee weapon that they have is a glimmer steel blade. So this is a melee weapon, obviously. Strength is user. So strength for uh, AP one, one damage. But I mean, just it's a solid, good. yeah, solid, solid, weapon. yeah. And the best part about Mandrakes, in my opinion, especially on an open board, is mm-hmm. their deep strike tactic. We're going to oh, talk yeah. about their tactics later, but any deep strike tactic that can bring in a model with um, a shooting attack is really good. Yeah. Um, but when you bring in a model with a shooting attack that also has melee capabilities, it just kind of goes over the top with what you're able, like how quickly you can adapt to different situations, just kind of on the fly with Mandrakes. Like you, you drop in three of them anywhere on the board, basically more than five inches away from enemies. You, you get free shots off that your opponent can't really react to. Um, and then turn two, you're rerolling charges. So if you want to charge, that's an option now. Yeah. Or if you want to sit back and keep shooting, they're so fast that, uh, it's it's easy to kind of avoid your opponents and and kind of just like play cat and mouse and, and take pot shots where you need to. All right. So I think that's that's all of the models for Jakari. Is that right? Yeah, I think we covered every single one of them. All right. Other than uh, commanders, but yeah. Yeah. So let's go ahead now and get stuck in with their tactics. They've got a lot of them. They've got a lot of good ones. <laughs> they do. Right at the top. Uh, pray they don't take you alive. Um, basically, when you kill an enemy leader, uh, you spend two CP and for the remainder of the battle. Uh, every model in the uh, enemy kill team basically subtracts one from leadership. Um, God, you know, reading all this, there's just yeah, there's so like many so much stuff things. to do with leadership in this faction. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see somebody try and like craft an entire build around something crazy like this, like with yeah. like a rack build with like a bunch of incubi and stuff um yeah i don't know i'm starting uh, to think that that's the way that like games workshop would want to see people play this faction yeah for sure uh and then like taking up the leader and like spending two cp to like scare the crap out of uh your opponent's models for the rest of the game it's just right. it's thematic right it feels fluffy yeah um, you're not going to use this too often though uh, i guess if you i don't even even if you have two cp and you kill the enemy leader i don't know if i'm going to actually think to use this yeah. And if I'm up against a faction where they're like re-rolling, they're getting like a free re-roll to their nerve test or whatever, then it's like, mm, you know. Yeah. Pretty. Uh, do you want to take Architect of Pain? Yes. So this is one CP. Use this tactic at the start of the battle round. Choose a model from your kill team that has the power from pain ability until the end of the battle round. That model treats the current battle round as being one higher than it actually is when determining what bonuses it gains from the power from pain table. Uh, it's good. 
I mean, for one CP, I can't ask for it to be any cheaper. Um, I would probably wind up using this tactic on, say, round two, after I get a charge in with a Clavex. That way, the Clavex is going to be hitting on twos. Um, well, it's weird because you have to do it at the start of the round, so you can't see how the movement oh, goes. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that definitely uh, pairs it back. Um, yeah, I mean, super, I, I think super situational. Easiest, maybe like round one on a close deployment, you would just pop this on a melee model so that way they can reroll charges. But like, yeah, when you think about it, it's like you might as well just spend a CP to reroll the charge if you need to. So moving on. Uh, Hyperstim. This is one CP. This is kind of similar to the other one, except it's uh, basically you choose a model that has combat drugs at the start of the battle round and spend a CP, and then they double the bonus from combat drugs. Um, and then at the end of the battle round, you roll a D6, and on a 1, they take a mortal. Uh, yeah, I, I don't run witches enough to, to think about this. Um, I can't imagine, I mean, I guess doubling the bonus, so like strength plus one becomes strength plus two, toughness plus one becomes, I mean, having a toughness five witch for a turn could be pretty interesting to just plug a hallway or something. I don't know. Yeah, right. I guess you could get like movement 12 on a witch, maybe with this. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. But I mean, it's all kind of. It's, I mean, it's another, like, very situational tactic. It's another tool in the toolbox for witch players. Yeah. That's what it is. If you are super cognizant of, of the board state and, and, and exactly what your win condition is, there might be a scenario where this comes into play, provided yeah. that you have the right combat drugs. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, it's never happened to me. Or, well, I guess I don't play witches, but I've never seen it happen. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so the next one up is Lightning Fast Reactions. This is 1 CP. You use this tactic when a model from your kill team is chosen as the target of an enemy attack in the shooting or fight phase. Your opponent must subtract 1 from hit rolls that target this model for the rest of the phase. So the first thing that pops into my head when I see this is making a Mandrake. If my opponent wants to shoot a Mandrake... Uh, popping that on him and then you're you're gonna need to be hitting him on a six yeah probably um basically what's nice about this is after you you get to choose to use it when they're targeted so it's not right. like at the start of the round or something yeah um and on top of that it's for the whole phase so if you have one model that is like in a, like an important area or like on an objective that you think your opponent is like really going to be interested in taking them off the board you could just pop this tactic the second they start shooting at them with the first model, mm -hmm. and then suddenly they're minus one to hit from that model, and they're minus one to hit from everything else that's going to be attacking them for the rest of that round. So you yeah. get crazy value out of this. Yeah, and once again, at one CP, it's pretty, it's pretty economic. Next up is uh, sorry, Bloody Blood. Grace. So this is another witch tactic. Uh, one CP, basically... Um, when a witch would consolidate, uh, you could do six inches instead of three inches. Pretty situational. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it is interesting, the idea that, that you can 
block some like after getting a kill with a witch fighter you say there's a model you want to consolidate into that's like six inches away like a gunner or something that can Mm -hmm. be really useful because next turn basically they're they're not going to be able to shoot and they might not be able to fall back because of the uh the witch ability where they have to roll off with you Mm -hmm. i mean i can see that happen i can see that coming into play um that's another thing to be aware of if you're running witches situational but definitely useful when it can come up i think yeah uh the next one here is hunt from the shadows use this tactic or uh, excuse me this is one cp use this tactic when a model from your kill team is chosen as the target of an enemy attack in the shooting phase and it is obscured until the end of the phase add one to that model's saving throws so this is going to be turning things like your racks invuln saves from being a four up to being a three up, um, given that they're obscured, so pretty nice. Um, yeah, my, my favorite use of this, my favorite use of this is uh, I've I've had somebody like shoot like an incubi or a clayback, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's obscured, and I've popped this tactic to basically give my claybacks a two up armor save instead of a three up against the flamer. Very nice. That's pretty crazy. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, this is only in the shooting phase, so you can't like charge something and then like take the Overwatch from a flamer and then use this tactic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, though, um, pretty interesting. Yeah, um, I've heard some people like I've heard some arguments about like using this on invuln saves uh, because I think there's something in the core book that states that invuln saves can't be modified. Um, oh, okay. I don't know how much that this applies because you're not modifying the in like the invuln save itself. You're just modifying the role. I'm not too sure about that interaction. Uh, it's not really something that's come up too often for me because I don't run that many racks when I do run racks. It's, it's usually yeah. like I'll have a couple of racks and they're usually in combat or it's like yeah. a flamer. That's definitely something to look into. And yeah. um, when in doubt, uh, regarding that sort of thing, ask your tournament organizer if you're playing in a tournament. I guess let's move on to the yeah. next thing. Um, I see from Out of the Shadows, this is the Mandrake Deep Strike that we were talking about earlier. Yes. It's just a standard Deep Strike ability. It's 1 CP. You can place three Mandrakes down more than five inches away from enemy models. This is insane. It's probably the best Deep Strike ability in the game. Um, yeah, I mean, anything else to say about it? It's very good. <laughs> nope. It's it's shoot. so good, man. Yeah, shoot, charge if you want. Maybe shoot more if you want. It's it's just it's up to the model. Yeah. Uh, I guess uh, moving past that, there's fire and fade. Yeah, this is another great one. Uh, yeah. One CP. Use this tactic after a model from your kill team shoots in the shooting phase. The model can immediately make a normal move up to seven inches, as if it were the movement phase. So. Great ability. You know, Asher Yanni have this same ability. I believe Harlequins do as well. Um, Elves, yeah. Yeah, it just gives you... Um, it just gives you a great... Uh, uh, it just it gives you great flexibility. It allows you to just do things outside of the normal... Uh, the normal order of play, I guess, as you would call it. Um, so... <laughs> like you can you can uh, just like a hypothetical you can sh- uh move up a cabalite gunner you can advance with him uh he shoots his shot at 
a enemy model that is on an objective and then you spend one cp to fire and fade onto that objective he's controlling that objective now situations like that uh make this tactic very powerful yeah also one thing i like is the uh we talk about how the dark lands is a heavy weapon so you can't move and shoot mm -hmm. um if you ready the dark even if it's in a spot where it's kind of dangerous if it's ready it gets to shoot first so say you ready the dark lands you shoot and then you fire and fade into safety and the next turn you know you you don't have to move because you've just moved with the last fire and fade right uh, now you're not taking the penalty you've already gotten somewhere where you might need to be or you've just moved into safety so it's yep. like an interesting way to move your heavy weapons without having to worry about the penalty um, then there's Cruel Deception, which is basically, uh, it's the Asriani feigned retreat, but for mm -hmm. Drakari. Uh, after you fall back, you can spend a CP, and then you're still able to shoot this battle around. So this and Fire and Fade just really kind of boosts the, like, we like to talk about the action economy and Kill Team. Right. And models that, or sorry, factions that can, uh, I guess, alter this are, they, they benefit greatly from it. Um, so Cruel Deception, Fire and Fade, you can even use these together. Uh, it's couple of really strong tactics always going to be useful i think the one thing about this tactic is i use it a lot when i'm uh when i'm tied up in combat with mandrakes or when mm -hmm. my mandrakes are tied up in combat i should say and then you can actually chain it into fire and fade right uh so that's super interesting um the thing with the things models like cabalet gunners is if those models are getting charged, you're probably going to be in a bad spot anyways, just because they're a single wound toughness three with just a five up save. Um, so don't really count on those models to survive close combat enough to be able to use this tactic. But if they do, uh, this is a great tactic to use to get that blaster or that dark lance back online. So now the taste of pain... Yeah. Uh, this is kind of a cool tactic, actually. I never ended up using it throughout the tournament, but I, it's one that I was always kind of looking at. It just never kind of came up for me. Um, it's one CP. Basically, after a model suffers a flesh wound, until the end of the phase, you add one of the attacks characteristic of that model, and you ignore the penalty to that model's hit rolls from any flesh wounds that it suffered. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy that it's like it's almost like a gritted teeth. Yeah. Plus, you get an extra attack. Um, assuming that you get charged and then you get to fight back after. Uh, so up next, we've got the Torment Grenade. So we were talking a little bit about the Phantasm Grenade Launcher earlier, and it's just a weird weapon. So use this tactic when you choose a model in your kill team to shoot with a Phantasm Grenade. If an enemy model is hit by any attacks made with that weapon this phase, then in addition to the normal effects, roll 3d6. If the result is higher than the target's leadership characteristic, it suffers one mortal wound. And this tactic costs two command points. Uh, is this the is this the worst Drakari tactic, Shane? Well, I mean, 3d6... I don't know. Uh, it's um, 2 CP to potentially inflict a mortal wound. I mean, it's unlike, so I mean, people look at stuff like, um, like Mind Shackle Scarabs, uh, and that's 2d6 just to get to, to shoot with, uh, with the model. Um, 
This 3d6 to inflict a mortal wound if it's higher than leadership. Obviously, you're picking and choosing. You're not going to do this against a Necron. But um, 3d6, the average roll is like a 10. Mm-hmm. So it it is better. Like, if you do hit, um, granted, you have to pop the tactic before you hit. So, I mean, if, like, I don't know, if you have, like, a Sybarite with, like, Flayed Skull, you're probably going to hit. Um, there, There is a pretty decent chance you can get the Mortal Wound. Um, I mean, the, the odds are in your favor that you're going to get that one Mortal Wound. Mm-hmm. If this was D3 Mortal Wounds, this would be, it would jump to, like, fully viable, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, right now, I, th- I do think it's actually decent. It's just the fact that it's 2CB means you're not going to use it that often. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if this was D3 Mortal Wounds, it would, it would almost be like, it's just kind of like Hellfire Shells, but probably easier because Blade Skull. Yeah. Um, I mean, 3D6 is, uh, it's decent, right? Yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, not it's just terrible. 2 CP, and it's like if my Cyberite has like a blast pistol or something like that, I'd rather shoot the blast pistol than jump through all these hoops and spend all that CP, you know? Yeah. What I mean, am I going to have a blast pistol on a Cyberite? Am I going to have a Cyberite? If I don't even <laughs> have a Cyberite, then I'm not even going to be able to use this tactic anyways. So it's it's a yeah. lot to invest, I think. Um, yeah, unfortunately, for... the Phantasm Grenade Launcher is only 18-inch range, so it's not like you can even, like, snipe things out with it. It's, like, kind yeah. of close range. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess Murderous Rivalry is the next one. Do you want to take this? Yeah, so this is uh, 2 CP. Use this tactic at the start of the Hammer of Wrath section of the fight phase. The first time it is your turn to choose a model that charged to fight with... You can instead choose two models from your kill team that ended their charge moves within four inches of each other. You can resolve both models' attacks before any other player chooses a model to fight with. I've never been in a situation where I've been able to use this tactic, or at least I should say I've been cognizant of the fact that I was able to use this tactic, but I I like this tactic a lot. Yeah, it's... It's one of those ones where it's just very obviously quite situational, but the situations where you can use it, it's just clearly good. Yeah. If you can recognize the hardest part about it is, is recognizing when to use it. Yeah. Um, Cause it's, I think it's easy to be like, Oh, I can use it now. But then you think about it. It's like, well, I don't really have to. It's like, <laughs> cause I'm probably attacking first anyway. Um, basically if, if you're, if you charge somebody and then you get a guy within four inches, maybe a counter charge and you feel comfortable fighting with both of those models, then you can do something there, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Um, I recently played a game against Bearned where I think you were watching it, Shane, and we got into round four and he had like four Raveners on the middle objective and I had like four or five racks on the middle objective and we each had multiple models that had charged into this melee. And uh, I think that tactic would have been helpful in that situation. Yeah, probably, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so that's all the tactics, pretty much. I mean, there's commander ones, but we're not really going to get too much into that. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I mean, I guess we can talk about matchups. We can talk about just generally speaking, like, I would say formats, but I feel like Drakari are such a 
good overall faction that there really isn't a format where they fall out of favor. You know, they can play the hold game with their racks. They can play uh, more offensively with their witches and with the Cabalites. Um, they're a very flexible faction. All of the models, I would say, are like there's nothing that's like overcosted. That's for sure. Um, and I would I would say a lot of their models are probably undercosted by a little bit just because of what they can bring. Um, and the fact that like they're getting a new sub faction trait every turn as the game goes on, like that definitely increases like the the value that is not listed uh, in terms of points cost. Their value is a lot higher. They're very cost efficient faction. For sure. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's almost like the uh, it's like different factions entirely. Um, looking between like a rack build and a witch build or like a cabalite yeah. build, mm-hmm. um, and what ties them together is is the mandrakes and the claybacks most of the time. But I think there's one thing that we haven't talked about that has been talked about before that has been kind of speculated about, and that is. Um, the soup the dracari soup okay and so this is something that, that you can do this um yeah and when i say soup what i'm referring to is uh obviously if you if you take a witch cult um you you can't bring racks uh you can't bring cabalites uh otherwise you lose the subfaction bonus but what some people have done before is, is they've looked at these data sheets and said, you know what, activists are really strong. Um, Cabalite gunners are really strong. Uh, witch fighters are pretty strong. Do they need those sub-factions? Yeah. Uh, maybe let's just run all those models. And, I mean, they basically, Power from Pain is basically a bunch of sub-factions already. Uh, why not just run all these models together? Yeah, that's uh, a fair argument. And it, it is interesting. Um, in my opinion, I think like, personally, I, I think witches aren't that viable in soup because of strength three. Uh-huh. It's really hard to overcome that. Um, I mean, I guess if you are then running hydra gauntlets so that you're at least re-rolling moon girls. Yeah. Yeah. Have to be the way to go. Um, but I guess it's just the, uh, the idea of running, you know, like rack gunners and and cabalite gunners and you know an akathist all together, like with a sybarite and, and a hecatrix, I like I kind of get the appeal to it. I, I don't think it's. I mean, I'm I'm getting the appeal to it. Yeah, I'm <laughs> consider me appealed. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's certainly interesting because uh, a lot of these models are already good without the subfaction. Yeah, um, especially the cabalite gunners. I mean, those are the obvious ones, right? Yeah, for sure. It's it's something worth looking into for sure. It's not really the current meta Drakari. It's not what people are doing, but there might be a build in there. Oh, I'm yeah, yeah. I mean, running the idea of running like a grotesque with like two cabalite gunners and then a bunch of mandrakes is kind of nuts, right? <laughs> that's absolutely nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah. Something to consider for sure. Um, so, is there any faction in your mind that possesses or that uh, that is just like a hard matchup for Drakari? Uh, so, I guess Drakari they really fit the um, the T three 
mold. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of the Clavex, who's going to like present a few problems, uh, you can really run like an anti-toughness three list and kind of mow them down that way. Um, yeah. Like, uh, I think what we saw from Micromancer during the Transatlantic Open Finals with like spamming hotshot volley guns and and like having Gottfried and just kind of focusing on volume of attacks at like strength mm-hmm. four minimum. Yeah. Is is it can give them a lot of trouble. Um, back at BAO when I was prepping, Drakari was one of the main things I was worried about. And the Blood Angels half of my roster was just like the perfect anti Drakari build. It was just a volume of attacks. It was a ton of chain sword attacks. It was it was bolt guns. It was I was storm saving, bolters. Yeah. You know, storm bolters. You you're not spending points on the expensive power weapons because it's pretty much overkill against Drakari. Um you want volume of attacks at strength four. Um, that's that's what's going to scare them. That's what's going to keep them up at night. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I guess looking at it from like like they they aren't that durable. Like I mean, when when you look at it from volume of attacks, this is something that beats the mandrakes, beats the racks, beats cabalites. It's going to do fine against witches. It's it's fine everywhere. The only issue is um, you're going to need at least one thing. That's capable of high AP multi damage, maybe just to deal with the the Clavex. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I guess the current there's there's so many formats that you can that you can play Drakari in. They're they're never going to be bad. I think that's one of the reasons why we see so many players that seem to only play Drakari. Um, <laughs> because why would you ever stop? Because they're always viable. Yeah. They can kind of always win a tournament. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any sort of faction that really has an answer to all three of the different Drakari uh, subgroups. Um, I, I like Tau on an open board. I think possesses a a genuine threat to them. Yeah, um, I can see it. Imperial Guard, obviously. Admech. Admech is another one. Um, yes. Just uh, because my, of yeah. Yeah, you can go ahead and talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I built this is uh this is on the Patreon a little bit, but I there was a list I made that was pretty good anti T three um that that was kind of specifically with Trakari in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's kind of like what we're saying over and over again, right? It's just high volume of attacks, not a focus on AP, but you know, getting wounds through <laughs> at the end of the day is uh, is what's gonna give them trouble. Yeah, when, the, the points you're spending on the AP, it's not going anywhere. Uh, they're just eating a five up in Vuln, regardless whether it's a bolt pistol or it's a power hammer, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, do you do we want to talk about basically the list that we were running at TAO just to kind of give an example of what a Drakari command roster is looking like in that sort of format? Uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of Mandrake spam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's like the core of it, right? And I feel like that still holds true in a lot of other formats. But it's basically like you cherry pick the units that you need from either racks, witches, or cabalites. So like the cabalite gunners, the witch fighters. Um, less so for the racks, but you get the point. Um, and then just filling out the rest of the roster, honestly, with Mandrakes, because those flex models are so great. 
Yeah, Mandrakes and then the Claybacks. Is that like Claybacks? Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty easy to to build a roster with all the different types on there with like three different sub factions because the meat of each list is going to be the the blades for hire, the yeah. the incubi, the mandrakes, the claybacks, the models that aren't going to need a sub faction in the list. Yeah, the um the list that we had brought was it didn't include all three subgroups, but one player's list who did include all three subgroups was Danger Froze, who actually took second in the TAO. And he literally had his command roster was basically just like three different lists, right? It was witches. Yep, three lists. <laughs> yeah. Witches, racks, cabalites. And then uh, each one just had a certain amount of mandrakes thrown in there just to fill it out, basically. The model's so good. You just fill it out and it's just instant upside. Yeah, no, for sure. And honestly, it's uh, with with Danger's roster, he never even brought the witches. So he could have actually kind of like gave himself more options. Yeah. With uh, between the racks and the and the Cabalites, which is what he ended up running every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think that's kind of the way to go when roster building for a tournament is I think you you kind of narrow down the two types that you want. Mm-hmm. And um, like, say for Worldwide Open, uh, you want to go Cabalites for the open board, but for Arena, you want to run Witches. Um, kind of have like your your split of of different options for the Witches, and then different options for the uh, the Cabalites, where it is that you are. Um, and then, because I think once you have all three, it starts to become a little bit difficult, um, and you kind of like you lose a little bit of flexibility there. Um, granted, it's still good because you have three different lists that all do different things. So there's still quite a bit of flexibility in and of itself. But uh, yeah, I guess that's probably how I try to approach it. All right. So is there anything else, Rujikari, that you think we may have missed? I guess uh, the the only thing that I have t- is um, for tips uh, for playing against Rikari on an open board. If you see Mandrakes on your opponent's list, you definitely want to screen out your deployment. That's probably... If you've learned nothing else in how to play against Drakari from this... uh, from this Drakari deep dive, it's that. Uh, That sort of thing... that screening out the backfield against Drakari was how we saw, you know, Matthew Fong wind up taking TAO. That was a huge part of his strategy. Yep, and I mean it's easier when you're playing like a militarum that has the bodies to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and an open board, I mean, sometimes it feels like it's impossible to counterplay deep striking. <laughs> um, like something that I was thinking about was was while I was bringing three mandrakes in reserve, also throwing like a dark lance in reserve with the intent of just dropping the dark lance on a board edge in my deployment zone for free. Mm. And it's like my opponent is simultaneously trying to deep strike their own back line while also trying to hide from the dark lance that's got 36 inch range. Yeah. Um, it just becomes kind of overwhelming to deal with. Yeah. That's huge. That's something that I wish I wound up doing in TAO and I never did. I just deployed it straight out there every time. Yeah. 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 I mean, the instinct is to deploy it out there and just ready it. But uh, yeah. 
there's a lot of tricky things you can do with reserves when it comes to long range weapons. So we're coming up on almost two hours of recording time. So I think we're going to uh, to end the Drakari deep dive here. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Command Point Podcast. If you enjoy this type of content, consider supporting us over on our Patreon. Don't forget to subscribe, and we will see you all again in the next one.